Warning, this podcast contains discussions of an adult nature and sometimes a graphic nature. It's not suitable for children, strong language, and adult content. Listener discretion is advised. Oh, hello and welcome to The Witch's Grim. Stories and education with a witchy twist. If it's weird, we want to talk about it. So, pull up a broom, holster that wand, and get comfy, because we're about to get started. Hello, and welcome to this very special episode of The Witch's Grim. This is Lola. I'm actually by myself today. Uh, we are out of season, if you guys are listening to this, but we wanted to bring this special to you, because as you... Uh, longtime listeners know we do talk about cults, and um, we have a friend today who has decided to come on and speak to us about her experience. Shanetta is here today. If you're not following her on TikTok, I will give her TikTok handle here in just a second. But she's strong, amazing, and we wanted to bring this special episode to you out of season because our season does not start until October for our listeners to help Shanetta out and get the word out through her change.org petition. Um, You guys are going to be completely blown away by her story. Um, I know I was. And so basically, there's a group that you guys can look up on the internet called the Moorish Sovereign Citizens. When I was looking up a little bit of information on them. They're basically considered like a militant type group, even though they're not necessarily um, always armed, but they are considered semi-cultish. And since we do talk about cults on this podcast, we wanted to bring this information to you guys, make you aware and help Shanetta out. So Moorish sovereign citizens basically are a group that say that they do not have um to listen to the government, they don't have to listen to the federal or state or city government, that they can just basically do whatever they want, that they have every right to land that is within the United States, specifically because they consider themselves to be the first citizens of the U.S., and therefore they believe that the land and property that is contained within the U.S. actually belongs to them by hereditary right. Mm-hmm. And so they have been known to go out and um, take people, try to take people's property. This has been happening all over the United States, and I feel like it's not being covered enough, so I wanted to bring it to you guys. So, Shanetta, you have been dealing with this for a while. And I remember when I saw your very first video, you had only put up one of your story times. It was a 60 second. And I was like, I can't wait to hear more. And I was just, (laughs) I'm just scrolling through everything. So you guys, um, her, all of her handles are reg black girl. So you can actually check her out on TikTok and watch her whole story. That's R E G then black, then girl is spelled G R L. And, um, so Shanetta, like, Tell us from the beginning what's been going on and, you know, then we'll get into why we want you here so that we can help you out. Thank you so much for having me. And I appreciate all the kind things you said about me. I just, uh, excuse me, I really wanted to share my story when it happened after the fact. I mean, the day uh, of the standoff, I call it the incident. Um, I really was kind of in a total out-of-body experience the whole time because I just could not believe that it had gotten to that point. It's almost like um, that meme where people are like, my name is Ryan (laughs) and my story is kind of crazy because 
that whole day ended up being 12 hours um, from start to finish. But I had previously in the mail about a month before gotten a letter that was signed and sealed with um, gold seals and thumbprints and notaries explaining and claiming that this person and uh, his name, I can't really pronounce uh, his uh, Moorish American name that he has is El Jalil Hood, but basically he was sent me a letter in the mail, certified mail saying that my home that I had recently purchased was his ancestral lands, his ancestral home. And it was titled an adverse uh, claim that he was basically saying that he owned the property. Now, I had never heard of anything like that before, or um, it didn't make any sense to me. But since I was having such a nightmare of a time, even just closing on the house, I just wasn't so shocked. Uh, it just felt like the karma was just from start to finish was a little crazy with the house. And so I called my attorney and I said, hey, I got this letter. And then I talked to the title company and also to my realtor. And everybody assured me that this is a scam. Your title's free and clear. This is not a thing. Um, in the beginning, when I first got it, the document just looked so official. And I was kind of like shocked. I was like, really? You guys sold me a house that's someone's ancestral heritage? You know, and I thought I was going to have to go to court to undo the whole process. Um, and they're like, no, it's actually a scam. And when I heard that, I just laughed because I was like, that's so weird. How do you send somebody a letter in the mail saying that this is your ancestral home or, and then it's not real? Like, do you think, does that ever work? And I remember me and my realtor, we just laughed about it. And a couple weeks after that, I got a letter in the mail and it was similar, but saying, you know, you, there's no response. So within 30 days, what we're going to do is proceed to reclaiming the property or something too long that nature. But again, I'd already had confirmation that it was a scam. So I just threw it in the, you know, didn't throw it in the trash, but I just threw it in a pile of, you know, letters that I have in my office and I didn't think anything of it. It was probably like three or four days later, I had scheduled to have the gas company come out to the house. Now, mind you, the house that I bought is in a pretty nice neighborhood in Newark, New Jersey. I always knew that I wanted to get a fixer upper because I'm obsessed with HGTV. You know, I think we've all like, oh, I just want to turn something old. We all are. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, lots of character. Like you know, I'm saying character, like I, you know, I didn't know what that word was like two years ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's what I was looking for. Uh, the housing market was getting so intense. I had been looking for houses since May of that year. And um, I put on offers about like 15 houses. Right. And it did come to a point where I realized I did have a special interest in that I was looking for a major renovated home, right? A lot of people weren't looking for that in the, in the COVID time. So when I came across my house, um, it was perfect for me, exactly um, enough charm and character, but it needed so much work that it will still be basically a brand new home when it's finished. So there's lots of inspections I've been having done on the property, uh, things like the gas, electricity, all of those things. So this particular week, I had scheduled to have the gas company come on and fix the gas lines. So I went to the house on a Wednesday. Normally I go on the weekend and I'm there every weekend because I know it's a house that's just basically been sitting there for months. Um, and 
I like to just check and make sure nobody's broken in and all of these different things. And also I'm kind of really obsessive about paint color um, and tile color. So I will go and pick up a paint swatch and then just tape them to different walls and then come see it at different times of the day. It's so strange. The house is 10 minutes from where I live. So I was used to that, but it, it was strange for me to go during the week. Um, but that's all they had that was available. And so I go up to the house in the front door and I'm, he's like, well, I need to go inside because I didn't know if he needed, it was something outside that he was doing. He's like, no, I need to go in. And I'm trying to unlock the doors and I realized that my keys don't work. Um, and it was kind of like a slow realization because I just had a really busy work day. So I just figured, oh, I'm putting the wrong key in. Um, and then I looked down and I realized, hey, this is not my doorknob. This is not the doorknob that's been on the house this whole time. So I called my contractor and I said, hey, you guys were there on Sunday. Did you guys change the door locks for some reason? And she goes, no. I said, well, did you have any problems getting in? She's like, no, we used our key. And, you know, so she told me that she didn't change the locks. And then that's when I kind of panicked because I was like, wait, who, <laughs> who would just come up to someone's house and change the locks? Like I'm the only person that has a key along with my contractor. So it's not an open thing. So I, you know, dismissed the gas guy, really embarrassed. And <laughs> I'm like, eh, you know, um, I'll, I'll reschedule. And then I just go to my neighbors and I ask everybody and I say, um, well, first what I did was I decided I was going to call the police because I wanted to have a report down because obviously um, this seems like something that was more like a break or an entering or in my mind, maybe a squatter situation and maybe somebody could have been inside. Mm -hmm. They explained to me that, you know, since it's not a non-emergency, I think it was around five or 6 p.m. that the cops were busy doing other emergency things and they would get to me when they were available. So no real time frame, but she made it clear it was gonna be somewhere around an hour at least for someone to come out, you know? And so I go to my neighbors and I say, hey, did you guys see anybody at my house at any time? Like my locks are changed, explaining to them. And everybody said no. So I was there for like 30 minutes. I'm waiting for the cops and sitting in my car and my actual next door neighbor that I share a fence with, he pulls up and I said, hey, you know, did you see anybody at my house? Uh, someone changed the lock. She's like, oh no, my, my wife went to tell me that uh, she thinks she met your husband today. He was there earlier changing the locks. And I said, uh, no, I don't have a husband. And um, she, he's like, you know, yeah, I thought that was so strange because I remember when we met, you told me that it was just me, you know, it was just you and your cat. And he was laughing. I was like, yeah, no, it's, it's still just me and my cat. And I had never met his wife in person. Um, I'd seen her, she works from home, but she's got, they've got two little girls. He's actually working on his house all the time. So I've met him plenty of times and we've talked about moving fences and all of these different things and pricing of things. So him and I had a better relationship than she did. So she would never have known if someone at the house was related to me or not. You know, a lot of, it's strange enough. A lot of people are really shocked to find out that I'm a single woman buying a house it's come up a lot through this whole process, which is so weird. It doesn't cross people's mind that a woman would just buy her own house. <laughs> I remember just that past weekend, the neighbors had a party and uh, her sisters were like, that big whole house for one. I think what surprised me about hearing your story was not necessarily that you were a single woman who was purchasing a house, but after our listeners hear everything that you went through from that very first TikTok video of like the SWAT outside of your house, mm -hmm. all the way to what you're going through now, I was like, 
I don't know if I could do it. That's why I'm saying mm. you're, you're brilliant and you're strong and like, who, I don't know, like all of this stuff. I, I would have probably given up and been like, I, I'm abandoning the house. I'm done. But you're sure. like, no, no, not today. Not today. So yeah. No. It's, it's crazy because when she was explaining to me, um, how they, how she met them and she saw them and she talked to them, what caught me off guard and ended up catching her off guard was they were very open and saying, Hey, you know, we're going to be your new neighbors. I'm from Trinidad. He's from Jamaica. And my neighbors are all Island people to begin with. Um, and so she felt very comfortable unloading to them, you know, yes, this is my house here. Our cameras aren't down and all of these different things. And so she was very scared. And at that point I talked to her and I was waiting for the cops to come out. My realtor was just like, you know, they're not going to take it serious. If you don't tell them, you think you hear someone in the house. So I did, and they came in like five minutes and there obviously wasn't someone in the house, but I wanted to write a report because I wanted to go back and see if it was the guys that I had gotten a letter from just because I couldn't think of anyone else who would, who would do something like that. And they told me at the time, okay, no, we are not going to write a report for you. Just ask, request the body cam footage, which I found out later is not a thing. Um, but at the next day I come back with a locksmith because I want to, you know, obviously change the locks back. I figured my neighbor had told me that they said they were going to be coming back that weekend. So I couldn't find someone that night. So I was like, all right, I can come in the morning and change the locks and still be fine. Um, while I was there, the, the two of the men that came to the house the day before were actually watching me from across the street. And I thought they were going to drive away when they saw me at the house with the locksmith, but they circled the block and came up and basically approached me saying, um, can we help you? And that's just like when I lost it, <laughs> I was like, can I, can, can I help you? Um, who, <laughs> who the fuck are you? <laughs> like, this is my house, you know, why are you, what do you mean? Can you help me? They're like, uh, this is our house. This is my house. Uh, the tall guy who would eventually break into my house. And so much so I was aggravated. I was upset. I was scared, but that wasn't my initial feeling off the bat. I was just annoyed because I had so much work to do that day. Mind you, I really didn't realize how dangerous these people were. I was just annoyed because I thought they were stupid scammers and they broke into my house and get off my property. So I'm like, I'm going to call the cops. And they're like, fine, we're going we're gonna to go get our papers. Show us your papers for the house. And I said, who are you that I need to show you anything? Um, and I feel like from the very beginning, he had this need to establish equal footing with me in the, in the ownership of this house. And what was disappointing with the locksmith is he gave them that. He gave them the opportunity to say, well, maybe this is a mix up. Maybe they got sold the house too, or maybe that. And I know that that wasn't the case because I went through a very reputable mortgage company. The people who handle all my paperwork are like top five in Atlanta. Like there's no sort of weird mix up to happen. And instead of listening to me, I'd already showed him all my proof that I own the house so he could change the locks. He basically allowed these men to leave and come back to the scene and waste everybody's time because they went back and they got paperwork um, just the, e the emails, the letters that they were sending me. There was no official documents, no records, no anything. And it got to the point where the cops were there and they were just basically trying to determine 
when they found out that it was my house, they let, you know, they told the guy, you need to leave. He would not give the key back though. Um, hindsight is, I don't know why they didn't arrest him because it was clear that they did break and enter. Um, it was four guys ended up showing up in total that morning and then also not making him give the key back. So they finally get him to leave. Oh, sorry, do you have a question? Oh uh, yeah, I just wanted to back up real quick and um, let our listeners know that the person that you're talking about, you're still dealing with um, his. Mm-hmm. And just to give a little bit, because you didn't know, obviously, you said you didn't know at this time, but um, these Moorish sovereign sovereign citizens, part of the reason that they kind of have this like cult mentality, and some of the interviews that I've watched him do, this guy's name is Hubert John, which is, I guess, his like dead name kind of sorta the name that he Mm, uses now he actually in one interview called it his war name and i'm like what does that even mean um and he basically was giving you paperwork that was just fictitious made up and he wouldn't present any identification because he says i don't have to which his identification wouldn't match anyway Um, and, and he's like arguing with you. And I remember listening and you kind of address this in one of your videos, the locksmith kind of taking the side of the guys and even going Mm -hmm. to the side and like kind of yucking it up with them. I was like the locksmith's in on it. He's totally in on it. And I guess that's not the case, but he, he was siding with these two strange men Mm -hmm. rather than the person whose home it actually is. It was very bizarre. And that happens a lot, like, I think dealing with this, this, these, well, Hubert and his situation and me kind of understanding his mentality more. Um, He's very misogynistic, very condescending, and they thrive on connecting with men on their quote unquote masculinity, you know, so they, he's getting them, him, the locksmith to laugh and calm down by saying that I'm being aggressive and I'm overly emotional right now. And, you know, it's basically the, you know, how women are kind of thing. And I think even when the cops came, he was actually excited that I told him I was calling the cops. Um, I feel like they are used to dealing with the police. They are used to, um, you know, they had their, he had their whole like, um, conduct book and everything. And I think he fully expected the responding officers and the sergeant to be men. Uh, the fact that they weren't, I think, played so much so heavily in my favor because they could not discuss anything or address anything to them in a respectful way. The male uh, police officers that were there fell back in, in the beginning um, and didn't engage with them at all enough, just enough to say, hey, no, we're going to call the sergeant and we're going to end this, you know, crap, the way that you're talking to her is insane, you know? And um, yeah, so throughout the whole process, even to what I'm dealing with now, realizing that men will stick by each other um, regardless if they're in the right. I mean, for someone to even give Hubert a platform to spew his lies and conspiracy theories about me is insane for someone to um, publish his quote unquote article about me on their website is insane. For someone to help him in the stalking process by passing out those flyers and things about me to my neighbors and shoving these things in their mailbox is insane. He did it with someone else. So yeah, it's just, that whole day was just the start of me 
And I, I appreciate you saying that I was like bold and brave in the very beginning. I really just didn't understand the, the gravity of the situation. So I really was more angry and annoyed than I was afraid for most of that day. And I was yelling, you know, telling his mother didn't raise him right, like just being so aggravated and loud to him because I was mad. And the fact that when he finally left, I really thought it was done. You know, I'm sitting on the front porch of my house waiting for another locksmith to come in. And that, this is like probably 15, 20 minutes after the cops tell him to leave and everybody disperses. He just shows right up and just walks right over me and just locks himself in my house. I didn't even have time for it to register, you know, and that's kind of when I feel like I just had the beginning of the outer body, out of body experience for that rest of that day, because I literally could not believe what is, was happening to me. And that's when I got scared. Um, I turned around and he had hung the Moroccan flag in the front window of my house, right? I didn't know what the Moroccan flag was before this. <laughs> so to me, it was, it's red and green and it just looked very sinister. You know? So, so let me back up real quick and, and kind of give our listeners a little bit of information. So the flag is meant to mimic the Moroccan flag. So they made oh. this flag up. It is not the Moroccan flag. So the Moroccan flag itself has a, has a um, crescent moon with a star. That's kind of like, if it were a full circle, it would be right in the center of the, the full circle um, with this kind of like maroonish red color. Their flag is basically a pentacle or a star in the center, um, and it is a deeper maroon color. And that, that's why they're trying to say that they're more citizens, because somebody like you who doesn't know what the Moroccan flag looks like, it will kind of jog your memory and you'll be like, oh, they, they're saying they're Moroccan. These people have no affiliation with Morocco whatsoever. Um, they, for some reason, they, they are calling themselves Moroccan as saying yeah. that they are Moorish, but they are not Moroccan at all. The government does not recognize them. They do not have Moroccan citizenship. They do not have passports. Like if they were to try to get the Moroccan government involved, the Moroccan government would be like, uh, no. Um, so this dude walked in and like raised a flag in your house. And I was like, what is this? Is this like, like freaking England? They're just like, mm -hmm. this is our house. Now you planted a flag, you know? And it's, um, it's just, and I was, when you told me he walked over you, I was like, how do you not think he's going to attack you? And, mm -hmm. and you were like, it was just surreal. And then when he got into your house, the weird things that he was doing, like yeah. I, I was just blown away. Yeah, he was, I could, when I saw the flag, I got really scared and you're right. It's like, in my mind, I was like, okay, first I, I was like telling him like, what are you doing on my property? Or like, get off my property, something about my property. You know, I wanted to establish dominance. I don't know what I was thinking. And he walks in and he walks over me and I don't even have a chance to like, I barely touch the door handle and it just slams on my face and I hear the door lock. And I just went, what the fuck? And I started like banging on the door, like get out of my house. And then I did that for like 30 seconds and something just told me to calm down. If this guy is crazy enough to do this, you have no idea what he's capable of if you happen to break this old door down and you're standing face to face with him. And then I'm walking away, calling the cops again, and I look back at the house and that flag is raised. What I learned from his podcast is he had actually returned that next day because 
And I, I remember seeing like a, a metal pole and some things hanging out the windows of the car that he was in. He said that he had come back the next day, even though he told my neighbor they were all coming back that weekend because he wanted to raise the flag, to raise that flag that he raised in my window. And it's interesting that you point out that that's not the actual Moroccan flag, the one that they used and that I saw. Um, because to me, that it's not a pentagram. I think I said the way that it was, it was shaped like that at some point, and a lot of people got offended. So I don't know how to describe it. It's just, oh, I called it a Star of David. It's not the Star of David. It's, but the, it's outlined in that way. In the paperwork that he sent me though, he used copies uh, or images of the actual Moroccan flag. The flag that he uses and carries around though is a completely different, more scary flag. Um, and I just remember being out and calling the cops and then now everybody's coming back. And thank God, you know, with my intuition and everything, because I did skip over this part because I know I can get a little worried, but earlier um, in that day, the locksmith was trying to convince me to let them leave and to get papers. And in my mind, I'm like, these are scammers. They broke into my house. If you let them leave, they're never coming back. And I had called the cops and <clears throat> they left and I regretted not getting their license plate information because I thought for sure they were never coming back. So as soon as he did come back with his papers, the first thing I did was take a picture of his license plate. Um, now, the total of four guys showed up that morning. So the, the extra four, two guys that came, they were in a truck, but their plates were unregistered. And it's very common for them to have fake identification or falsified or temporary plates. They don't normally use um, actual reg registered license plates. So the cops that morning, they were talking amongst each other because they were trying to get him to identify himself and he wouldn't. Um, and then they said, well, I can't get anything off the plate because it's a temporary plate. And I said, no, here, I took a picture of the plate on the other car that they were in, maybe this could help. And that kind of is what saved me that day because when the cops came back, um, they had used his license plate that I provided to him to identify him and to determine that he had the connection with this, uh, they called it this, the, uh, what was it? The captain said to me specifically, um, domestic terrorist group or the group that's on the terror watch list. I like changed from calling them terrorists because that's not really the phrase. I think it's more appropriate to be, to say extremist, um, in their, in their viewpoints and different things like that. Uh, so I, they were a known extremist group. Uh, and that is why he was telling me it was taking so long because they needed to get the FBI involved. And uh, because he was on that particular list, that's when I got really scared. Like it's, it's a weird adrenaline high to cope, to go from being mad. Now we're waiting for hours, mind you, for any sort of movement at this time, all the neighbors are out and I'm getting to know people. And I did have a neighbor, um, it's a great neighborhood because most of the people who live in that area have had their homes for 30 plus years. So I have a lot of older neighbors <laughs> and one of the guys had come out and he was explaining to me, he's like, these guys are part of a cult. That's what he said. He's like, I don't want them in my neighborhood. And he was explaining a little bit to me about the group because we saw him in the house. Uh, the neighbors could see him saging the house. Right. And I did find a sage bundle um, on the mantle of the fireplace once he had been removed from the house. He had also, I could hear him going up and down the house, slamming the cabinets and doing different things like that. And the neighbor said that he was saging in the kitchen and 
doing all of these things as well. Um, I don't know if that's a significance for their group or their belief system for the people, or maybe he's just one of those people that are trying to clear whatever negative energy. I don't know. Um, and people were telling me, you need to go back in and redo it. And I was just like, uh, for me, it's my house. And I think because I worked so hard to get it, and I'm talking like in the recent history, uh, the fighting and the battling that I had to deal with with my loan company uh, just to get it closed in a timely manner. And then also to still get a clear to start working um, on the house. But in my in my past, you know, I've been homeless before. You know, I haven't had a place to stay. I am a child of the foster care system. I've never owned anything or had anything that was strictly mine that means anything in today's society, if that makes sense. And a home symbolizes so much. And I think a lot of people are so quick to say, I would move, I would like, you know, get rid of it, sell it, put it back on the market. It's not that easy uh, to do that. But also, it, it's my house. Like, and I, I feel like I'm kind of a spiritual person and this may sound insane, but it's like people who I've never been married or in love, but I'm sure it's like when you meet your person, right? There's just a confidence. There's just a feeling. There's just a that you experience that lets you know that this is meant for you, or this is, I don't know if it's weird to talk about like the universe, but like, this is your manifestation. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So our, our listeners are going to totally, they totally vibe with that. They're totally (laughs) going to understand that when you say this is mine, I manifested it. This is meant for me. We totally get it. Yes. So it's, it's, and it's hard to explain that to people, but I became very protective over it. Um, It symbolized a lot to me and I did want to, to fight back because in that space of the day, people were throwing around the term squatter, 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 even Lieutenant came up to me and said, um, we were waiting there so long because the sergeant eventually told me that they were told that they could not go in and get this person because I was telling them, hey, I'm the homeowner, break the door down, drag them out. Let's get out of here. I have meetings to attend. You know, that's basically what I was saying. And they were denied um, the opportunity to do that because it was that same thinking. This Lieutenant Taylor's like, you know, this has become a civil matter. You're going to have to take him to court to get him out. And, you know, that's where the panic came in. That's where I was starting to feel crushed and like defeated. But then I just had, you know, I just stopped myself. It's like, I need to advocate for myself. I found the people who had spent most time with me, the sergeant and the responding officer, Officer Megan, she's very great. And I said, look, this person, I know he's your lieutenant. He's trying to tell me that I'm going to have to take this guy to court, but this is my house. He broke into my house. He's never stayed a night in this house and I want him removed. I'm not, and this is that same thing that I keep talking about, people putting him on equal footing with me because that's all they need to move forward in whatever they wanna do. I've learned this uh, thing about them is a lot of people who studied them and dealt with them a lot, call them paper terrorists. Like that is, they use semantics, they use uh, legal jargon, they use different like loopholes to like trick and mix and get you to slip up on things so they can say and do certain things. And his whole goal is to, um, was to have it become a quote unquote civil matter, right? But luckily in the state of New Jersey, which 
I don't know why they didn't know the laws. You have to be somewhere for 30 years before you can be considered a squatter anyway. And it's, it's, it's insane that the lieutenant and some of the other people on the scene were even trying to bring that up that he was a squatter when the law is very clear and very strict in New Jersey. Some places it's easier. All you have to do is breach the doorway apparently and stay there for some show like proof of living there. I don't know if it's California, someone told me, and you basically can't get the person out forever. And I think he was counting on that, but if people would know the law and follow the law, who's supposed to practice the law, <laughs> I shouldn't have had any issue with them at all. I was really surprised hearing your story. What kept going through my mind the whole time is I wonder how different this would have been had it been a man. Yes. Um, and not necessarily to bring race into it, but had this been a white man, like how yes. different would this have been? Um, a little bit more background information on Hubert John. He actually is used to doing things internationally. He, I, I guess, used to run a black fashion show, like a black fashion week in, in Japan or China. China um, yeah. And he, so he's used to being center of attention. He's used to doing paperwork. And what I was gathering from like watching him, like loving the red carpet and stuff like that, not that necessarily everybody who enjoys attention is this way, but a lot of the interactions and even the paper terrorism comes off like a narc, like mm -hmm. definitely like a narcissist. Like mm -hmm. I want you to say something like even getting excited about the cops showing up because it's an opportunity for him to like show off and like mm -hmm. flex and, and chum up to the cops and be very charming. Like he know, like he, he's got experience with charming people. And so I think he was thinking he was going to do that in this situation, I'm going to charm the mm -hmm. neighbors. I'm going to charm the cops and I'm going to have this house so that I can have some woman move in, um, that belongs to this group. And the women are just basically taken care of. They don't, they don't even have as many rights as the men do, which I kind of think like lends to this like big ego and big head on how to treat women, which is why I think, and, and the fact that they didn't know the own, their law and the fact that, that they were, like you were saying, they were putting them on equal footing and, and it's, like you were having to educate them on the law was just so bizarre to me. And, and, it, it, and that's what got really scared. Those are the times that I got scared most of the day because it's almost a sinking feeling where I feel like I'm not being listened to. And if I don't make it very clear, then this will not go in my favor. And it, 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 the whole ordeal, even to the point of how I'm dealing with things now, it's just full of misogyny full of, this guy is clearly a narcissist. And, you know, I, I have learned a lot about him because he is a part of uh, Chinese, I'm sorry, black expats that are live in China. He, feeds, he speaks fluent Mandarin. He is on the scene there. He moved out there and kind of positioned himself as like, let's do, let's uplift the black community here, do black fashion shows, do all of these different things. But what people, what he won't tell you and what I learned about him is that he has a bad reputation for scamming people, you know? So that's really a part of his thing, not paying his models, writing these weird contracts, all of these different things. And it's, once I learned more about him, it didn't surprise me that he would latch on to a type of group or community that will allow him to, to be above reproach. You know, it's basically, 
I don't have to follow laws. I'm not going to follow laws. Oh, I'm going to be arrested. I'm not going to give you my fingerprints, but also I'm going to keep mailing, you know, Shanita, my name is Shanetta. I'm going to keep mailing her things with my fingerprint on it. Like, it's so strange, like how none of really what he says or believes makes sense if he, if you analyze just simply what he says. That's why I put, um, as he posts different portions of this podcast that he did, that's why I put it on my page without any commentary, because I want people to understand the level, I call it delusion, um, that he's living in. And you mentioned that he said he wanted to have a woman and a child move into the house. That's not true. From what I've learned, he was actually displaced uh, from his home in China due to COVID. And he came out to visit relatives during the Chinese New Year and just could not get back. And the neighbors have told me, multiple neighbors, that they've seen him in the neighborhood squatting in other homes, right? And even when he approached me and he, I saw him that day, he looks like somebody who was a little worse for wear, you know? So he will get on this podcast and be like this whole bravado, bravado act and call me a liar and a scammer and an embezzler, which was so strange and try to justify the actions that he's done and redirect everything from his current situation as I truly believe. And I had sympathy for him in the beginning, right? When, even when he was in the house and they were telling me they were going to call the cops because I knew off just basic facts that this is somebody who probably just needed a home or somewhere to live. And I remember saying like, I hope he doesn't die over this. It's just a house. It's not worth it. Yeah, I want him out of the house and I'm not going to give him my house, but I also don't want him to lose his life over it, you know? Um, but as I learned more and more about him, and I think I was doing, talking to someone else about, they were asking like, well, what do you want happened to him? I want everything bad to happen to him. And I'm not like, that's not my normal sentiment of a person, um, but he embodies a type of evil that I've never encountered before. And the violence that he is committing against me, it's not physical, it's all mental, it's all emotional, it's all um, psychological. And I think he knows that. I don't think he... I don't think he, I don't think he cares if, um, I don't think he cares to hurt me physically. I don't feel the same about everybody that is situated with him. Sorry, hold on one second. My laptop is saying that it's dying. You might have to record this really quick because it gives me two seconds to charge and then she, hold on one second. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, good. I got so good at doing this in like five seconds. And now I'm like nervously. But no, what I was saying is like, I think he just really enjoys feeling superior to me feeling like he's got something over me. And um, the scary part about the situation is um, it's, an, it's an obsessiveness that I recognize um, as inherently violent and abusive. You know, it's, this situation sucks because I had a very physically and 
mentally abusive childhood, right? And so yeah. I can recognize all of the things that he makes me feel when I, especially when I see him speak and how he speaks about me and how he manipulates conversation and how he seems to be a master gaslighter. You know what I mean? Um, it, 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 it's bizarre. And what's unfortunate is I've tried to learn more about this group and about them, but because he is in such an extreme viewpoint of it, um, he's not even properly representing what the Moors believe. Because I've spoken to people who tell me that they denounce the way that he acts and the things that he do he does and um, a lot of the rhetoric that him, and he's also um, associated with the rise of the Moors, the group that got stopped earlier this summer um, on the highway in Boston and they had a standoff with cops. And I think it was like 11 of them ended up getting arrested. They were heavily armed saying that they were going to a training camp. Um, he is closely associated with them. And they will tell me like, this is not our beliefs. This is not what we think. This is not what we do. So I do, as I learn more about him, I just realized isolating him alone from the situation, this person is not well. And I don't want to say crazy or mentally ill because that's not what I'm saying. It's like his mindset is that he is smarter than everybody. <laughs> I would even go as far as to say, and and I have a background in mental health, but I obviously mm -hmm. don't know enough about this person to diagnose them. But if a person was just a third party was just on looking, I would say they would say this person is sociopathic. The, the level of um, non-existent uh, feelings for another individual was really was really prevalent when I was watching his interview and with his YouTube friend. And um, just like some of the things that he's doing, it's like he's a master at it, mm -hmm. which makes me think he's been doing this for a very long time. Um, the level of enjoyment he seems to be getting out of it. There's, there seems to be like, like almost like a, um, a sense of like arousal, not like yeah. sexual arousal, but like, like emotional arousal. He kind of gets from this almost like he thinks he's playing a chess game. Like you were saying, like, he's smarter, like, oh yeah, let's see what she's going to do. Cause I'm going to do the next thing. Oh, she never gave me her paperwork. Uh, nobody has to give you any paperwork. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and some of the lies that he's told and, and like, he genuinely looks like it in his mannerisms, he genuinely looks like he believes the stuff that's coming out of his mouth. And, mm -hmm. and, and I have a, I've had trauma as well. So I have a visceral reaction when I watch him, like mm -hmm. I can only watch small pieces here and there. I can't imagine what it's like for the person going through it. I, I like, it's probably going to take a long time for, for you not to experience something from this because of the level of like you were saying emotional and mental violence that he is he is doing against you it's just insane and i think what's scary about him is i do i'm learning more about him but the more i learn about him is the more i feel like he's capable of anything i think for me it got really scary now i knew that he did this podcast about me but i never paid attention to it cuz someone sent me an article that, that he had posted or had done that interview. And then, um, the link was on there, but I never looked at him like, God, this guy's just nuts. Like, let it go. Like, that's how I felt. But then when I, he, I think he upped his 
danger level by deciding to physically pass out this literature to my neighbors, people that do not know him and know me very well and like him, like me very well, to have the confidence to say, I'm gonna go into her neighbors, to her neighbors, hand them papers, give, put it in their mailbox. I don't know if he didn't think that they would tell me, like my phone was blowing up and my next door neighbor, she said, she ended up keeping it. She had to take it out of the trash though. She was like, get out of here. Like who, like, who is this guy? He's insane. And he was basically saying to them that the house was his still like weeks later, you know? And so to me, I can't navigate that because I don't understand the, the, the reality that he's created for himself in this situation. Even right now, the house is fully under renovation mode. Um, and I'm there quite often. And now my contractor team, I've made them very aware of this situation. Um, he's not, obviously he, the house is not in a state where he can live in it right now, but there will come a point when the walls go back up and everything else. That's where I feel he's just kind of laying in wait for his opportunity. You know, knowing that just as early, as late as last week, he's posting portions of this podcast to the interwebs and it's still this basically confirming to me, he feels the same way he felt two days after he got released from prison, you know, because every section and every portion that he posts to me is an act of violence to me is saying, oh, I haven't forgotten about you. Oh, this is how I feel about you. And I, I want to share that with the rest of the world. I mean, I think where we ended up getting connected is because I have tried to get a restraining or a protective order, right, against him. And in the state of New Jersey, I am not allowed. Uh, the so actually, sorry, let's okay. let's back up real quick, because yes. he he actually was in your home mm -hmm. and they and you called the cops back and were like, uh, the dude's in my house and you had to go to a neighbor's house and be safe. The SWAT team shows up. Oh, oh my gosh, that's the most important part. <laughs> and, and, and like tries to get him out and that whole situation. And meanwhile, they take him away and the cops are filling you in like you have a protective order. So go ahead and tell them about the whole SWAT situation. And then we'll go back into like why we're doing the change.org for you, like helping you with that, because it's like, I was, I, I'm, I was livid. I'm like, and I think our <laughs> listeners are going to be livid when they find out how this was handled. Yeah. So that day when they were telling me that first, oh, we can't remove him. We didn't get approval to, to, oh, wait, he's part of, he's connected to this extremist group, this extremist organization. And we actually are going to remove him. And because the FBI has been involved, we have to send the SWAT team out. And that was another moment of the day where I did, I got like um, fear as an aftershock because then I'm instantly replaying how rude and mean and loud and aggressive I was to him, not realizing that he is considered very dangerous or has very dangerous viewpoints. The um, captain was explaining to me that they had a tendency as a group to be very violent towards police officers, to booby trap things, to do all sorts of things. So they needed to take all precautions. Um, they would try and negotiate him to come out of the house. 
um, and obviously they didn't want anybody to be harmed in the process. I think once the SWAT team, now all the neighbors are out now because there's all these cops and then we see the SWAT team, they're like 12 men hanging on the back of the truck, fully armed. Um, it was something out of a movie, to be honest. You know, the police lights were going. It was like we shut down the block for a movie scene. It just was so surreal. And I could see it coming up down the street, um, the parade of um, SWAT team members. And there was like a bomb squad truck that was there as well, um, just to obviously precautions. And they had a little battering ram where they explained to me that, you know, the last resort would be to knock the door down and to go in and get him. And I, you know, drew a little outline of the house so they could navigate it with the robot before sending in actual uh, people, right, to get him just to make sure the place was safe. So I'm sitting across the street from my neighbor's house and in my neighbor's house, and I can see everything that's happening because she lives right next door, right? And um, that took like about 45 minutes of the SWAT team over the loudspeaker. Now they surrounded my whole house, um, all the different side entranceways, so he couldn't get out. Uh, it turns out they didn't need to do that because he wasn't leaving the house. And they tried to negotiate with him or to talk him down or talk him out of the house saying, you know, we're not here to hurt you. We just want to speak to you. We can't see, um, I assume he had some sort of identification in his hand, not even on identification, I don't know what, but they said repeatedly, we can't see what's in your hand, you need to come outside so we can talk and discuss this with you. They weren't um, aggressive with him, but it was close, getting close to an hour, and I think they realized that he wasn't going to come out, and they had to go in and get him, so they did breach the door with the battering ram, um, and they went in, and they had to carry him out. He didn't leave on his own accord either, what was so alarming watching the podcast that he did just a few days after his release, that's when he taped it. And then I watched it weeks and weeks later, the interviewer says to him, you know, well, why didn't you leave the house? He said, well, it's my house and they didn't have a warrant. He just said it so calmly and it just brought so much chills over me. Just, he, he says it like he believes it. And that's what scares me. Do you know what I mean? It, it was it, it, it was weird to get his perspective of everything that I went through um, and compare it to kind of the empathy I was feeling for him that day, the concern that I had for his safety that day, and then to realize that this monster has been plotting against me for months, has been putting a case together to steal something that's rightfully mine, has the the gall to think that he can get on the internet and defame me and lie about me and downplay. I'm very proud of me being able to purchase a house and for the loan to be as big as it is as a single woman. I know that may be unfamiliar for him. I don't want people in my personal financial business, but if you're going to put it out there, yes, I am an independent lady and I make good money. I don't no, if you need to box me in because I chose to live in a predominantly black town and you feel like people don't make money there because maybe that's how you grew up. And that's not the case. I'm very much very pro-black and I do believe in, I don't believe in this. Once you start making money, you quote unquote, leave the hood. I always wanted to come back to a predominantly black neighborhood and fix it up and live there and to give back to the local communities, you know? And so him 
taking everything that I'm proud of and I think is a culmination of who I am as a person and what I've learned about how our society works and systemic racism over the years, because I have been fortunate and I've been through a lot, but I was able to get out of that, you know, um, whether it's education, but I've had a lot of people help me on the way. Um, but I still know that there's struggles out there in the community. And for me to have somebody take something that I feel very proud of, that I feel like I'm finally making a difference, you know, everybody's like, well, what can I do, you know, and this person to just basically spit on my name and spit on all my hard work, because in his mind, I can't possibly be able to afford this. I have to be, have been gifted a home. Like, dude, it, it's, it's, it's insane. And I just realized too, like the way I felt about him that whole day and the concern that I generally had for him, he was just more of an annoyance for me, right? But I am an object of disdain and hatred for him. And he continues to feel that way about me and towards me, but it's all fabricated. But he believes that, which is so scary. And I think once I finally watched that podcast, that's when I kind of realized that I'm in a different level of danger than I may have evaluated earlier, right? And I wanted to go to the cops and say, okay, when he was released, you know, I asked you guys for a restraining order and I was told I couldn't get one, but the terms of his release gave me a protective order that he can't come near me or the house. So he's coming near me and he's harassing me, right? Because he doesn't know when I'm home and he's not supposed to be on my street. I'm getting pictures from his uh, Chinese friends that are sharing his social media, like the China has like their own social media apps and stuff. And they're sending me pictures of him saying that all the charges were dropped. I'm a liar here. Look at me. I'm on the street, you know, like pictures of him down my street or saying he's on my street, whether or not he even is. But the fact that he's creating that image that he is, that's to be intimidating. That is to be, um, to, to stoke some sort of fear. Do you know what I mean? And also save his ass and his reputation. But I think a lot of that also stems with the fact that he has to be aware that once my video went viral on TikTok, the amount of people who are exposed to him and will tell me these things. Do you know what I mean? I don't think he-, he I, I even got a comment on one of your videos, yeah. like somebody commented to me and I was like, this is bizarre. Like either this person is associated with him yes. or, or it is him. Like, mm -hmm. I think they're, they're definitely watching you for sure. Yeah. Before I even got, um, before he, um, even went back and was passing out those flyers, I would get messages or like weird comments on TikTok. Like how's the councilman, you know, the truth will come out. Like, a liar, like all of these weird trolling things, but I just chalked it up. I didn't really understand the story that he had put out there, but it didn't make any sense to me. So I was just like, God, these guys are weird, you know, whether it's him or someone else like that supports him. Or I think one of them was like, I live down the street and I went to the hall of records and the truth will come out. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, weird, weird things. But like I said, and someone asked me, like, are you afraid of him? It's like, it's not even so much I'm afraid of him. I'm afraid of the situation. And then I understand that he is probably very well-versed in radicalizing other people for whatever cause. So if he can make it seem like I am doing something to him, whether 
you know, when the truth is actually the opposite, like he can motivate people to do anything, I think, you know, and the, the fact that this whole entire time, what made me feel a little bit safe was knowing that I had this quote unquote order of protection, um, was basically a lie. <laughs> uh, I didn't have anything. And in the state of New Jersey, I cannot get anything is, was kind of soul crushing because I, and I've had a lot of people comment like, well, you know, protective order is not going to do anything. Yes, absolutely. There is no way that I think any criminal is going to say, oh, well, let me not do this because I, she has a protective order. The issue with that is there is no consequence for him without a protective order. I fully expect him to violate the terms of his release. I fully expect him to try and break into my house again. I fully expect him to continue to harass me because that's the character of the person that he's shown over all of these months. What I need is to know that if he does those things, there are consequences. That is what the protective order means to me. Um, I've obviously as women, we've heard stories and, you know, we probably watch a lot of crime dramas. We've heard a lot of women having to go and rely on restraining orders that still result in the ultimate, you know, um, loss. So I'm not delusioned to think that getting a protective order is going to solve all of my problems with him. What it means for me is that if he continues to violate the terms of his release, which is what you guys tried to appease me on the fact that you released him three days later is that if he violates, then he'll go back to jail and await his trial. And I think finding out that day, first of all, my experience at the local precinct was less than great. Um, the person who took down my complaint literally told me that I should maybe consider not moving into the house if I'm that scared right? Like, who do you, like, how do you tell somebody that? So I, I, th I think this is a perfect time for us to bring up your change.org. So if you yes. go to Shanetta's, any of her uh, Instagram, same, same handle on Instagram as it is on TikTok, reg black girl, girl spelled G-R-L. Um, you guys need to take a look at that and sign that petition. So you thought you had a protective order and now they're mm -hmm. saying they can't even give you that. So you're like, well, the dude broke into my house and threatened me essentially. Like I would like a restraining order. And they said, uh, we can't give you a restraining order because the only way you can get a restraining order in the state of New Jersey is if you've had an intimate relationship with them. And I was like, what mm -hmm. you, and, and, and what's been scary for me. And part of the reason that I wanted to bring this to the attention of our listeners is because if this doesn't change, this is one of those stories where I have seen you on the news and TikTok now mm -hmm. as a person who's going through this. I don't want to see you on the news as the person of this is the reason that the law changed because mm -hmm. Shanetta ended up having somebody radicalized come into her home and harm her. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want it to get to that point. So we need you guys to go to the change.org to in every one of her bios. You can find it. We'll also try to put it into the show notes as well for you guys to go sign the petition so that we can get the ball rolling. Like you've gotten a permit for a gun. Are you mm -hmm. thinking about putting alarm system in your home? Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's ridiculous that you have to spend all this money to do this. This should just be like, 
like you were saying, there should be consequences for his actions, but it seems like there's not, there's not, he can just keep doing this. Right. And I think what I'm learning and I, I'm very sensitive to the fact that there are so many women out there that have gone through abuses and violence at the hand of men um, that are way worse than what I'm going through. So I'm never trying to equate my situation to that, but those are really the, the women that motivated me from feeling kind of helpless and lost and upset and to feeling like, okay, this is just unacceptable. This has to change because I just remember sitting in military park. I'm outside the prosecutor's office and I spent the whole day running around. I took a week off work because I have to catch these different office buildings when they're open. I got the runaround from the detective. I need to, we can't do protective orders here. You have to go down to this office on this street um, downtown, which I did. And they tell me, oh no, we only handle domestic cases here. You have to go here. Then I go there and they're like, no, you can only get protective orders signed at the police precinct. And then finally they admit, oh, by the way, yeah, you're right. We can't do anything for you because you have to have had a relationship with your abuser, meaning uh, someone I dated, was married to, a tenant, a roommate, uh, something like that. And I looked up the numbers and an overwhelmingly large percentage of um, crime victims know their abusers. So I understand that the priority would be placed on that because that is what's hugely affected. But in the society that we live in, the fact that people, the law is set up to completely ignore victims of crime or abuse who may not know their abuser. Like the news is full and maybe it's just because it's propaganda, but the news is full of uh, women or people experiencing violence at random strangers. You know what I mean? Or stalkers, stalkers. Yeah. Uh, a, a dude um, could, could become obsessed with you when you go to Starbucks yes. to get your coffee. Yes. Um, the, cyber stalking is a thing now. Yes. And it sounds yes. like there's no protection against that either. It's just nope. insane. And right. And I think, to, I think what I've learned is the system is designed to help who they want to help. And I feel like maybe if I was a tiny petite blonde and people would look at someone like me and see somebody helpless and see somebody who is, is dainty and fragile and needs protecting, maybe they would do more. Um, I think that also plays into a factor of it because thank God through TikTok, I connected with a local attorney here. She's actually a defense attorney, but she was talking to me just last night and explaining, she's like, I'm on the other end of this and they have violated so many of my, uh, my defendants for way less. There's no reason why this guy is still out on the streets. You know, if, if everything that I'm telling you, you're telling me is correct, which it is. And I gave her all the receipts. Um, she says, it makes no sense. Like they can do something if they want to, they can do something if they feel that it's important and they will pick and choose. I feel like the law does, um, protect the abusers in some cases. Uh, I think the wonderful advice that I got from the police and everybody has been to just document everything. And like you said, it feels like they just want to wait until something happens that I can't come back from before they can take it seriously. It's like they are prepared to clean up the mess, but not prevent the mess. And I'm sorry, I like my life. I like my health. I like my safety. 
I don't want it to get to that point and it shouldn't have to get to that point uh, for me to, to get any sort of real attention or protection under the law. I think even as the victim of a crime, that doesn't then in the eyes of the law make me give, give us a relationship, right? Um, which to me is insane. I have, I did the change.org petition because I just wanted to feel like I was making a difference. I was reaching for the stars, reaching out for Governor Murphy, that is the governor of New Jersey. Um, and then my senators are Bob Menendez and uh, Cory Booker. Cory Booker was, is the main person that I'm targeting because most people know him. He has a large reach, but he lives in Newark, New Jersey, same place, not same town. I mean, same same town I have my house in and I will be moving into, but his girlfriend is a famous actress, Rosario Dawson. And- Didn't Cory Booker run or was going to run for office? Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay, so yeah, president. he's- Yeah, yep, he's-, he's uh, so you guys like make sure that no, don't just sign this. Like if you want to really use your voice, please email them, make phone calls. She yes. gave you the names, like- inundate their offices do not let them think that this is not serious like use your voice annoy them squeaky wheel gets the oil like let's make mm -hmm. this happen mm -hmm. it's one of those things too but like i feel like he would have a vested interest if he just understood that you are dating a famous celebrity and she lives with you in your newark home which i believe that she does when he's not in washington like they stay there she has no protection of the law under the law if she gets a stalker. She cannot get a restraining order. That's the woman that's in your own house. Um, and she is very prone in her profession for that to be a high possibility. And I wanted to bring that to his attention. And also because he's one of the most popular senators on all the late night shows. And he's someone that seems to be someone who genuinely cares about his local community as well. And I have contacted my councilman, which is so strange and bizarre that my actual councilman, I thought this guy, you know, he's making up this connection between me and my councilman. He's actually my councilman. So um, I reached out to his office, um, spoke with them. They have a council meeting uh, two times a month, uh, the first Wednesday and the third Wednesday, um, the one that recently passed. Um, I didn't get in enough time to request a chance to speak. So the one at the end of the month will be the one that I'm targeting. And I would like to have a substantial amount of signatures on my petition at that point. Um, I am just approaching around 2000 signatures. Um, I'm hoping I can get at least five or 10. I, I feel like it's, it's something so simple that could literally be changed at the drop of the hat. But the fact that it's gone on so long and it hasn't been addressed lets me know it's probably something similar to tasers, which I learned because I was having a hard time um, getting my taser through Amazon here, that it wasn't until 2017 um, it was legal to own a taser in the state of New Jersey. So can you imagine being a woman, someone who runs? Thank God that's not something I uh, ascribe to, running in the woods at night, you know? Or, But can you imagine like realizing that that combined with you not having any sort of recourse under the law, some stranger tries to attack you, you can't even protect yourself. It's so hard to even get a gun here in the state of New Jersey, which I am doing. And I consider myself nonviolent, but I'm also not going to roll over and let somebody intimidate me in my home, for sure. I'm going to learn how to get it and use it. And 
my male coworkers are saying, you know, now if you do get a gun, you do realize that you have to be prepared to pull the trigger. I've been ready. And it's not like I want to hurt this person or kill this person, but I have now been able to understand the level of danger that I am in with this person, right? Um, but yeah, the way that the laws are in this state just leads me to believe that they haven't really looked at wholly protecting women. I know we have like the Violence Against Women Act that has been in the headlines, you know, federally and all of these things. I feel like New Jersey needs to kind of come up with the times, talk, th talk things about doxing, cyber stalking, revenge porn, all of those things that that's what's, that's the current state of life in our country as a woman, the things we have to worry about. And I keep saying woman, um, and I am very, very aware because I actually have a lot of friends in the gay community stalking all of these things. It goes, it's not really gender, you know, specific to be honest, but a vast majority of what I can relate to is, is being a woman. Right. Um, but every, this benefits everybody, I think. And I was saying to the police officers, you know, it's getting even victims of a, of a crime or witnesses protection under a law. Can you imagine if you decide to see something, say something, and in our lovely little judicial system, because there's no more cash bail here in, here in the state of New Jersey, they get let out for whatever reason. And now they could come and retaliate against you for getting them locked up. And you don't have to have a relationship with them. Um, you just are a good Samaritan. You know, I to me, it's such a glaring hole in this whole process. And I hate to like, if this is all meant for me to just change this one little law, uh, I think the universe could have given me an easier task to make this a, a passion of mine, not having to go through a terrorist. Uh, Thanks universe. Talking. Yeah. You know what I mean? If this is where you were going, maybe we could have took an easier route, but I do not want what I'm going through and experiencing. And I feel like is an injustice to, to, to not come with some form of change when I really realize like there are women who probably could be going through way worse than me, you know, and something as simple as having consequences for your stalker continuing to stalk you or violate the terms of their release to me is not a, a big ask. Um, no, I, I agree with you. I, I 100% agree with you. And, and for, for those of you guys who are listening, part of the reason I wanted Shanetta to tell her story is because I did not know this group even existed before, before all of this happened. And then shortly after I heard your story, all of a sudden they're showing up on the news with the standoff with the cops. And as lots more of political unrest is happening and, and divide mm -hmm. is happening within our country, that fuels extremist fire. And mm -hmm. even looking up and doing some, some investigating on this, they're doing this all over the United States, because in December 2020, they were doing it up in Washington. Um, this guy was a lot more organized, I have to say, which is kind of like the downside of your situation. Uh -huh. Instead, uh, I guess in Washington, dudes just started knocking on this guy's door and were like, you need to leave. This is our house. And he was like, what? You're crazy. And, and they kept coming back. And like, he's like, you were saying paper terrorism, they're sending him letters. They're sending the city letters. They're, they're saying, this is our place. And they're coming back and they're coming back and they're coming back and they're really breaking people down and they're doing it all over the United States. And I, and I feel like now that this is getting headlines, um, people really need to be aware of this document, everything, know your laws, do your research, yeah. ask the questions. And and, and, and like, 
like, let's give Shanetta our support because this is not some small issue. This is not one of, this is, you know, how people are like, oh, that would never happen to me. It could. Yes. <laughs> That's what it could. Because I think it was the perfect storm for me and my situation, but it literally could happen to anyone. And if you think about someone who is narcissistic and I was a perfect target as a single woman, and I, it's not to, you know, disparage women from purchasing their property, but it could happen to anyone. Like really just recently, I think it was down in Maryland, a woman put her mansion on the market after her husband died and like seven people from this group moved in, you know, and basically changed the locks, put up no trespassing signs, we're putting furniture in and everything. And it's becoming something more prevalent that this group is doing. Um, and like I said, in the beginning, when I first wanted to really tell people what happened to me, it could really happen to anybody. I think in the beginning, because I did Inside Edition and I did some local news things in the very beginning. And that was the time where the, still the newscasters would miss, miss, uh, miss the, the understanding that this is not a squatter situation. This is a designed attempt to steal homes and properties by an extremist group scammer. And it could literally happen to anybody. I have a, I'm going to have an appearance on Dr. Oz, which thank God they're going to give me the opportunity to really flesh out the situation for what it is and let people know um, that this could happen to them because it's a perfect storm of things you don't really even think about. My information became public as soon as I owned a house. I didn't not know that, but I didn't know that, if that makes sense, because I've been looking at houses myself and looking at bank-owned properties, and I could see who owned the house and how long, right? But it's not registering to me that once I buy a house, that anonymity that I've always had as a renter, that goes completely away. It's things that we don't think about um, in everyday society that they take advantage of, you know, they take advantage of, I don't, I didn't even know my councilman. I didn't even know my city officials. Like I didn't even think about any of those things. That's the stuff they know and they research. I've never been to the hall of records. He spends a lot of time in the hall of records and all of the information that we have collectively, that's just public knowledge. If they decide they want your space, because even almost 45 minutes of podcast where he can explain his situation, he has not yet explained how he is the rightful owner to my home or my property. Not once, not even under the guise of his law or even under our law. Um, it really just boils down to he decided he want it, wants it and he will move in and take it. And they have shown repeatedly as a group that that's what they're going to do. So it's good that we're talking about it. And I think I just wanted to make people more aware of something I thought was a scam that I just laughed at. I literally had actual laughter about it with my realtor about how dumb it is. Like who, who thinks they can just write a letter and get a house? I think that was the, the, the sentiment to being in a situation where there is someone in law enforcement trying to tell me that I would need to take this guy to court right? To now having to deal with knowing that this guy has intentions to completely still take my house is kind of crazy. And it literally could happen to anybody. So can we do a quick shout out to your realtor? Because some of the things that you kind of like, because, you know, this is a very long story. It's been going on for a very long time mm -hmm. at this point. Um, can we give a shout out to your realtor? Like, what is her name? She oh, had, yes. she brought you food. She yes. was like, no, oh, you need to call the cops right now. This yes. is what you need to say. Like she has been 
like your sidekick, your backup, like your cheerleader this whole time. I don't yes. know if you're willing to say who she yes, is. But- no, she's, she's amazing. She's wonderful. Her name is Najia Perry. Um, easy to um, remember Najia and her name is spelled N-A-J-J-I-Y-Y-A uh, Perry. And she works out here in Essex County, New Jersey. She's been doing this for quite a while and she is just stern, no nonsense. And um, she looks objectively at situations and she's kind and she's diligent. I mean, listen, she let me drag her to like over 40 houses and half of them didn't have finished basements and there was bugs. And like, she, 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 she rode with me on that wave. And then through this whole process, she's just been so great. And I think what I've learned from that too is having a sense of community as well, which, you know, I pride myself on being very independent. I go from state to state as as needed and as I feel. And um, I like to feel like I'm invisible. You know, I can go to bars by myself. I'm not the, um, sorry, I'm not the, the typical American beauty standard where I have to worry about being out alone on the streets as much as other people. Um, so I feel like even in this process though, I've always kind of operated alone, but I've realized just even with my neighbors, we just had an amazing, uh, birthday party for one of the girls, my next door neighbors and uh, a niece. We had two parties that same weekend. Um, the fact that everybody's rallied against me, they all have my phone number. They call me when they think there's something suspicious. You know, they've invited me to all the holiday parties and, um, you know, have just pledged to watch my house and just to make me feel like I was part of the community and, and, and help. And I think that that's a, what was kind of the silver lining over this whole thing, because it is a desperate, lonely place to be when you feel like you are, you are not heard. And when people come up to you and validate your feelings and validate your outrage and validate your desire to make a difference, it really, really helps. It builds confidence. It reminds me that I'm that bitch. Like I can do whatever I want to do. Like don't take no for an answer when you feel justified. And um, it's great. Like I, I really the house is under renovation right now and it's going to be beautiful when it's done. And I'm sharing that journey as well, but I think the best is yet to come. I think actually moving into the the neighborhood now that I know so many of my neighbors and they know me, um, it's, it's going to be good. And I think I want to end this whole thing with him, you know, doing his time, the time that he's supposed to be doing and paying for the crimes that he's committed and I want to be able to live happily hour ever after in my space, but also know that I made the world a better place for any other woman or person who might deal with this something similar in the future, you know, because what's the point then? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, I have been watching you through this whole thing and I'm like, I don't know how you're not crying yourself to sleep. I, cause he's been trying to isolate you and your neighbors are like not having it. They're like your neighbors. If you guys watch the video of the SWAT team, you can hear the neighbors in the background. You can hear the neighbors talking. They are hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not having it. They're like, no, no, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, that's not how this is going to work. And, um, 
So I'm glad you have that community, but you also have like, you have your TikTok followers yes, um, yes. and, and now you're going to have uh, your, the podcast listeners here. I'm sure they're going to love your story and they're going to be backing you up. And, and again, go to her, um, either one of her TikTok, Instagram, all of the places is the same thing. R E G black G R L or yes, GRL. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And you can click on the change.org link on all of her bios and you can go sign that petition, make phone calls, make a stink. If you even want to make a video about this uh, on got, your own I've platform. Yeah. And, and, and then even tag Rosario Dawson and, yes. and every, just start tagging everybody, senators and all that kind of stuff. Like we need to get eyes on this so that Shanetta can have her home back. Um, you can stop dealing with this nonsense and we can, we can bring awareness to everybody that just to be on the lookout and be careful of this group. If they show up in your neighborhood and they start claiming that they are the part of this group and that they are taking a house. No, they are not. Do, do not let them do it. Um, right. And if you get any papers from them, any paperwork and stuff, just know for a fact that it's all fake. It's all fraudulent, fraudulent. They print it down at Kinko's. It may look official because they send it in certified mail. And I think the best advice that I got in the very beginning was not to respond because once I found out it's a scam, the kind of person I am, I wanted to be like, dude, you really think this would work? I think I don't know the laws enough about what, what will, what kind of response puts me in some sort of contractual obligation with them. Like literally don't do anything. If you get it, take it down to your local authorities. Um, It's, it's, it's weird how bold they are, but I think that they do it because it has been successful in some spaces. And I think that's what people also need to be aware of. They wouldn't do it if it didn't work, right? So maybe there's further down the line, we can make it harder for this sort of thing to happen. I even started suggesting that they start charging these people with grand larceny. So I mean, a house costs way more than a car. And if they tried to steal my car and I got my car back, they'd still be charged with grand larceny. Do you know what I mean? There needs to be more severe consequences to kind of thwart this opinion, but people should know and realize that they do it because it works and just being aware and keeping your eyes open and not validating anything that they do, treating it like the scam and the criminal activity that it is will go so far because I can't imagine being in a legal battle for something that they never had any claim to. I think in Chicago, that happens all the time where they will break into houses and because the process is slow, low, so low and their squatting laws are so loose, like you can't get them out because the eviction process takes two years anyway. It's just a strange thing. And if we can just all be more aware of what they're doing and just collectively just be like, no, this is not gonna happen here. I think that they'll stop, you know, they'll have no choice but to. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your story. I know that you're, you have probably a lot of people who've been reaching out to you and asking for you to tell your story. And I know that you've had to tell it a million times and you tell us on TikTok and you're sharing it on Instagram. (laughs) So I really appreciate you doing that. And uh, we're going to try to, I'm going to try to get our listeners to do as much as they can for you. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to add before you go? Um, no, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on and, um, helping, you know, me share my 
story and my petition and my need for change, I, I will just be so honest. Like, I think I have just operated so independently for such a long time. And, you know, you learn things through TikTok, maybe it's trauma, you know, the kids say, just have to learn the thing, but just to realize that there are so many people out there who are willing to help and want to help and will put a hand forward and who just care. It's just mind blowing. I think I get scared about a lot of the things, but all I have to do is hop on Twitter and some random stranger who I don't know, I get it every day, just checking on you. I heard there's storms in New Jersey, just checking on you. I saw something on the news and it makes me feel like people care, you know, and I, I'm getting emotional now because I just have gone through so much and it's very unfamiliar for me to have people care about what I'm going through, you know? And I appreciate it so much. You have no idea. Um, and thanks, many thanks beforehand, you know, cause I need all the help I can get. And it's hard to, to ask for help when you kind of sometimes doubt the fact that you matter enough to get help, if that makes sense. And I know that's so sad to say, I'm working through a lot of things, but I really appreciate it so much when anybody cares, you know, and I swear, like, I just will, if I could ever give back just how much love I've gotten over these past few months, like, the world would be such an amazing place if people just knew how, how great people can be for each other and how women can stick together. And I'm speaking more so to women because, yes, that's who have rallied behind me. Like, gosh, with so much going on in the world and in Texas, like, you think about it's so depressing sometimes, you know, but really every day I get to live how great we are to each other and how good people can be to strangers, you know, I'm sorry, but just so thank you guys in advance. And I just look forward to meeting you and I try to respond to any comments I get as much as possible um, and connect with people and follow back. And so it's just always great to, to feel support. You know, sometimes I get a little down on myself, but every day there's just some strange person who just makes me smile and or reminds me that I matter in the world and if you can do that for any person do that one time every day and I feel like the world will be such a better place sorry <laughs> no that's perfect and and you also got a p.o box right because people yes. are wanting to kind of send you letters and kind of pour that love out to you in a different yes. way yeah. So that's the, is that, where is that on your, on yes, what my, P, my PO, my PO box is on my TikTok, And I also have a cash app. I've been, people have asked me for GoFundMe and all of these other things, Amazon wish lists. Um, I feel like once I have a better understanding of what I would do with any amount, I think that would happen from a GoFundMe, then I'll put it up right now. It's so premature, but yes, my PO box is six, one, two, seven. And it's in my uh, TikTok bio. Um, I love getting little letters from there too. Those also make me cry. Um, and um, um, my cash app is good. And I, I do understand there's so many people that want me to have a larger fund access to, to pool. Um, and I will get around to that. I've been told not to block my blessings. I think I'm just kind of wary of the perception of using something so horrible to make money off of because you know there are people like that so I want to make sure I have a real goal for it or a real plan for it so people can see the difference that's being made even if it does boil down to people just telling me they want to help me furnish my house 
that's when we get there, something like that will happen. But I want to make sure I have a real, a real thing that someone can contribute to. So that is coming. Um, people keep asking for that. But for now, you can send me a letter and a little card or shoot me something in cash up. That's also completely fine. But I think what I'm asking for now, which to me is more valuable, is to like and to share and to comment and um, get more traction, more eyes on everything. That also helps too. Yeah, I think um, I think sometimes, like you were saying, when when we are the types that we're like, we had to do it on our own, we don't get mm-hmm. any help. When when people want to send us money, we have this perception that that's charity and charity mm-hmm. is bad. Charity means I can't do it on my own, but lobbyists need money and mm-hmm. you're trying to change a law. Um, <laughs> and, and changing a law requires like you already had to take a week off of work. That's, that's taking money away from you. So, um, if you guys wanted to check out her cash app as well, I'm not sure where that's located. Do it's you have on my that? TikTok. Yeah. Okay. I didn't, that's the only, my only, uh, place where you can find my PO box and my cash app is on my TikTok just because that's where I get the most requests for that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I could put them in my other um, bios and stuff, but I think it's so out of context because I don't really get to talk too much about this on those other platforms. So that it's on my TikTok or you can ask me on any other platform and I'll give it to you. Yeah. And so if you guys wanted to help her out so that like when she does, cause there's probably going to have to be time off from work to go speak to your council people. There's probably going to have to be time off from work if you have to do more interviews um, so if we can support you in any way, um, there as and well, lawyers are expensive. Cause I'm looking for one right now. That's yeah. Thing. It's like, what is, how do people get anything done in this world? <laughs> I mean, it, you might get lucky and there's one that'll do it pro bono, but the likelihood right. of that is pretty slim. So if we can help you in any way possible, <laughs> yeah. um, we'll get this out there. Um, I'll get this edited and aired as soon as possible, but, um, thank you again so much for coming on here again, you guys, you can find her on TikTok and Instagram. R-E-G-B-L-A-C-K-G-R-L, go out. She's got all, she's got it from day one all the way up uh, on her TikTok, explaining absolutely everything, telling her story, filling in details that we weren't even able to cover here. She's shared news stories that she's been a part of, um, the steps that she's taken, playlists. It's actually eat- has a playlist on my TikTok. So if you like listening to podcasts, you can just like set it play. It is the real story is like a few Perfect. hours. So <laughs> it's there. It's all sorted at the top so you can find it easily. Perfect. And then um, you guys, if you want to send her some um, some little trinkets, like some I love yous, something like that, please do so. Um, Shanetta is going to make the world a better place. I think that you were, that your light was chosen for this. I know that that sounds cliche. I think your light was chosen for this. Um, just because of how strong you are, how good your heart is, like things happen in our lives. And I, and I feel like, again, that's cliche that, that make us who we are. And I feel like you were chosen in this moment to be this person because you're, you're going to get it done. And I know you said you're an Aquarius, but there's got to be some other stuff in your chart, (laughs) like a Virgo or a Capricorn or a Taurus or something. Taurus Taurus rising. And I have a Scorpio moon. Yeah. Okay. Taurus rising. That makes sense. Um, that that kind of makes you the, the good, the good person for this, the perfect can. I mean, not that I would want this to ever, anybody ever have to go through this, but if, but it, but you are going to make it, you're going to make it happen. I I have no doubt in my mind. You will change the law. You will make it happen. I don't even know if we want to call it Shanetta's law, but it should be. Um, 
but let's get this out there. Let's make this happen. Um, again, you guys, thank you so much for listening. I know that this was kind of out of season for us. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Reach out to Shanetta, give her some love, give her some encouragement, and I'll see you guys in October when we actually come back for our regular season. All right, guys. Bye-bye. All right, witches and witchlings, that does it for another episode of The Witches Grim. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with family and friends or head on over to whichever platform you're listening on and leave us a five-star review. We post new content every Friday. If you'd like to stay up to date or engage with us, you can head on over to our Instagram or our Facebook or leave an audio comment on our Anchor app where we might feature you in a future episode. And if you'd like to further further support this channel, head on over to Patreon at Patreon slash The Witches Grim. Until next time, witches and witchlings, keep making magic.